Hi, community listeners. I'm your host, Brianne Cambron, and you're listening to Voices of Communities. The community members I'm going to be talking about in this season are from my very own hometown of Searcy, Arkansas. I started this journey thinking about three problems facing local communities, a decline in local print media, the lack of locally focused podcast as an alternative to local print media coverage, and declines in civic engagement and community belonging. I wondered if I could address these problems through a local podcast season. In an effort to promote the power of local storytelling and building and maintaining civil societies, as well as foster belonging, I decided to create a community podcast where interpersonal, organizational, and local media stories converge through five episodes. In order to create this podcast, I scanned Cersei's local newspaper, The Daily Citizen, for topics recently reported, conducted semi-structured interviews with residents of Cersei and with board members of a local nonprofit, Main Street Cersei, completed a qualitative data analysis through various levels of coding for themes, and then created this podcast season entitled Voices of Cersei. I found five major themes from my interviews, and today's podcast will focus on the second theme, Growing Cersei. Since I lived in Cersei and left in 2015, Cersei has experienced changes, and the community members I spoke with talked about these changes. In today's podcast, I'll first discuss how an advertising and promotion tax, which I'll now refer to as the A&P tax, has been in effect in Cersei since June of last year, and how this tax was brought up in various conversations I had with the residents. Second, I'll share with you how the community members have seen business and event growth happen in Cersei, but how they don't want Cersei to grow too big too fast. Third, I'll explain how Cersei has grown in terms of spirit and unity. Many years ago, according to Marty Spears of the Bison, Harding University's newspaper, the Arkansas State Legislature set up an A&P sales tax for cities to use to generate revenue to help advertise and promote a city and to maintain and improve parks and recreation in their city. The revenue is locally controlled and by law must be spent for the designated uses which are all intended to promote and improve facilities in the city and to help draw more events and visitors to the city. The tax applies to money spent on hotel room rentals and food service products. Some have called it a food tax, but that is deceptive because the tax does not apply to groceries, just eating out. People who do not stay in a hotel and do not eat out will not pay any A&P tax. The city of Searcy voted on the ANP tax in April 2010, and it was voted down. However, last year, the Searcy mayor, Kyle Osborne, and the city council pushed the ANP tax through and made it an ordinance, and it took effect on June 1, 2019. The ANP tax got mentioned in almost all of my conversations with the community members of Searcy, which some of them were for and some of them were against. The A&P tax in Cersei is 3% on lodging and hotels and 1% on food. According to Marty Spear of the Bison, cities do see a jump in sales tax revenue due to the A&P tax when additional city events draw visitors who shop at retail stores in Cersei. The sales tax in Cersei is currently at a rate of 9.75%, with the Arkansas state tax at 6.5%, the White County tax at 1.75%, and Cersei's tax at 1.5%. 
In my conversations with Dutch Hoget, he shared how he felt about the AMP tax being active in Cersei now. He was kind of in between on how he felt about it, but ultimately, he, like many other community members I spoke with, saw it as a way to earn money for the city from those that visit. Well, I mean, the A&P tax, you know, if it, if, you know, you have to weigh the cost, and the cost can be weighed in terms of the tax versus the financial revenue that's coming in. As long as the financial revenue is coming in um, to improve the community, as long as you're making enough money off that tax, you know, where, you know, because the tax really only affects people who stay at hotels and restaurants, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, I would probably be opposed to the A&P tax if everything you bought in Cersei was taxed. But, you know, I mean, if you don't want to pay the A&P tax, then you limit the number of restaurants you go to, mm-hmm. you know, uh, or the number of hotels you stay in. So I'm not necessarily opposed to it as long as the, a- the money that's being used is being spent wisely and it's drawing people here because that's what's going to keep your overall costs down. Mm-hmm. If, if more people are coming to Cersei because of the A&P tax and, there's, and more people from outside are coming in and spending money at restaurants, but, you know, if, if really the only ones who are being, you know, being taxed are the citizens of Cersei, that's the problem. But that's why an A&P tax kind of works because... It, it's really more the visitors oftentimes who pay the bulk of the A&P tax. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. But we have to, we have, you know, and that's what the A&P tax is, is to draw visitors to Cersei and to spend money in Cersei. Yeah. So, it, you know, as long as people are spending money here and, and it's drawing people to spend money, I think it's a good thing. But, you know, there are limits as to how much I'd want to pay for an A&P tax, mm-hmm. you know. When Victor Woldridge brought up the A&P tax in my conversation with him, he was not pleased it had been passed. He brought up how the city council worked on the hype from the My Cersei Revolution excitement that came with the Small Business Revolution show, and he felt like, because of that excitement, people did not want to put it to a vote again. So, instead, the city council voted on it, passing the A&P tax with a 7-to-1 vote. The passing of the AMP tax, we fought twice got to get the AMP tax on the ballot, and we voted it down big time, both times. City Council, because of the Cersei My Revolution, they just snuck it in there, and pe- they worked on the hype of the Cersei, 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 so people didn't want to put it to a vote. So we, we, were, we lacked 65 signatures to force it to be put on the ballot. On the flip side, though, Jana Miller, like several other community members I spoke with, told me that she thinks the A&P tax will be a good thing for the city of Cersei. She said that the issues in Cersei are centered around finding ways to bring people into town so that the city could get money to spend towards the parks and recreation. It's important to note that Jana is a member of the Cersei Parks and Recreation Board. She lives an active lifestyle as a coach for various sports for her kids and works at the Cersei Athletic Club as a fitness instructor. So it made sense that she brought up creating tournaments as a way to bring visitors into Cersei. I think that um, we are at a turning point in Cersei. Um, We have taxes that we pay, and yet it always seems like our budget pocket is empty. 
but now that we have this new AMP tax, which is on uh, restaurants and hotels, I want to us all to work together to figure out ways to bring people into Searcy so they can eat at our hotel, I mean, eat at our restaurants and stay at our hotels. So um, I talk to people all the time about how we can possibly have tournaments. Jana told me that when she goes to volleyball tournaments in different cities, she stays in hotels. So she thinks having a space to host volleyball tournaments could help feed the A&P tax in Searcy. I see the argument that she is making. However, the issue is finding the money now to create a space to hold the tournaments. She told me that she knew of a building and that possible grant money was an option. I go to all these volleyball tournaments and I stay the night in hotels, other places. I think, why can't we have enough gym spaces to host volleyball tournaments? Um, so my passion is right there, the tournament type center. Yeah. Uh, and with parks and recreation, it all kind of fits together in my active lifestyle. And mm -hmm. um, from babies up through seniors, uh, we could accommodate a lot of different um, demographics and help feed that AMP tax. And if we can help feed that AMP tax in 10 years, Cersei will be a growing, thriving community. I feel like we'll finally have money in our pockets. And what can we do with it but grow and get better? The community members kept bringing up the idea of growing Cersei and my conversations with them. So when I asked Richard Stafford, one of the Main Street Cersei board members, to share with me the issues he thought the community of Cersei was facing right now, it was again not surprising that he talked about making the city grow. Um, I think, you know, trying to get... Um, our city to grow as far as you know business and industry um, I think is there's a lot of people working to try to um, you know improve that um, I think you know um, seeing some of the big commercial developments come in is good but you know it's you know trying to get some businesses to kind of move in and whether it's you know whether it is like the kind of the factory type jobs or something like that but you know, I think there's a whole lot of people that are looking at like economic development um, side of it, and I think that's, you know, I, I think that's kind of a how do we get the this nice unity um, that we have as a community right now? How do we get that expressed out out so people see Cersei as a place that they would like to, you know, move their business to or expand or grow into and, and live into? So. Richard also touched on solutions to fix the issue of growth, and he talked a lot about investing money into the city and into the infrastructure in Searcy. Investing into Searcy was something that a lot of community members shared with me, so I believe they too see the need or have the desire to invest into the town. Yeah, I'm always big into uh, community projects. I think, you know, if, if we're specifically talking about like economic development type stuff, I mean... You know, you have to invest money into your city, into the things that make your city better. So, I mean, Riverside Park is one of those types of projects, I think, that, that, that would make your community better. The beautification was a nice, you know, um, is a good project to, mm -hmm. to just, you know, you just want your community to, to, to show well, right, for outsiders. And, um, 
you know, when things are going well and, and you know, people are investing into their town um, with their park systems and, you know, whether it's, you know, their sports programs for youth, um, you know, you, you want you want to entice people, anything that you can do to entice people to come and move here, right? And so that's, um, you know, if you've got kids, then you want, and your kids are interested in sports, you want to have good sports programs, you want to have, um, you know, good things to do or fun things to do in the community so like you know the beats and eats and the get down downtowns and that type type of stuff makes it a lot of fun Uh. richard shared the most recent project he has been working on is for a master plan for riverside park and creating a new entrance for the park to create an easier way to access it in early february of this year the searcy advertising and tourism promotions commission allocated $50,000 in tax revenue to help the city purchase 49 acres adjacent to Riverside Park, according to Sam Pierce of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Then Arkansas State Parks gave the city half the money needed for the additional 49 acres, so the cost for the city of Searcy was only the $50,000 to purchase that land and make the park now 150 acres. It's important to note here that Riverside Park is considered a city park has a Searcy address, but is not included on the city limits map, as identified by the Searcy zoning map. Most of the people I talked to said that they like the potential Riverside Park has. Richard told me that with the land purchase, the city will be able to connect the existing park property to Highway 13, which a lot of people refer to as the bypass. He believes that with a new entrance for the park, it will become more visible and used more. So we're hoping that with that land purchase that we might see some action within the next couple of years i'm hoping so there's yeah. been some more rumblings and stuff about it but the master plan was just designed to 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 get you know as, a, as an opportunity to get grants mm-hmm. and funding and excitement in the community to say that you know hey this can be a really neat place and and so we we got a grant there was a grant um that we were able to get through the arkansas um parks and tourism i believe and uh, and that was in order to p- purchase some land that was that connects uh, connects the existing park property to the to the bot the new uh, highway 13. Because of the easier access, he said that Cersei police and first responders would be able to get out there once the new entrance is complete, even though the park isn't within actual city limits. Richard then broke down the phases of the plans for Riverside Park for me. So, like the first, I think first major phase would be just uh, new access to it so it's not the most exciting thing but you know it's really important one of the things about Riverside Park is it's hard to get to people a lot of people don't know how to get to it or it exists mm-hmm. and I think a lot of that's based on because of its access so um, you know building a new entrance you know off of the new highway there um, would make it a lot more visible a lot more accessible so that's that's the main that was kind of that first phase but there's been kind of since then um we've talked about a lot of like master plan included you know expansion of uh mountain bike trails hiking trails um uh, areas for like event events like an event uh, pavilion type Mm -hmm. thing where you can hold events um there's gone you know some the possibility of some camping overnight camping uh some like primitive type camping up necessarily like RVs and stuff maybe in the future I don't know but <laughs> the land is there um, you know some water activities maybe it's a pickup point for for canoeing and kayaking something like that down the river um, there's a there's a bunch of 
things like that that are kind of part of the master plan. So. The Riverside Park project came up in many of my conversations with the community members, and there were mixed feelings about it. Some community members told me that they just didn't want to be taxed anymore for projects, even though they want to make the city of Searcy better. I think it's important to mention that Richard said a grant was approved to purchase the land next to Riverside Park. However, in the article by Sam Pierce of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette, it is noted that the Searcy Regional Economic Development Corporation bought the property near the Veterans of Foreign Wars post that connects to the park and then sold that property to the city for $300,000. The mayor, Kyle Osborne, is also referenced in the article, saying that the CREDC and the A&P Commission were generous enough to help the city out in order to purchase that property. Now, in terms of where the money will come to make advancements to the land, I'm not sure where the city will get that. However, it is possible for the AMP Commission to allow for more money to be put toward Riverside because the purpose of the AMP tax is to improve parks and recreation in the city of Searcy. I'm sure that there will be community members on both sides of how they feel about that. Tommy Santola, a member of the AMP Commission, told me that right now the AMP Commission is looking at various projects to decide which would be best to invest in for the goal of making things better for Searcy residents and for bringing people in to experience what Searcy has to offer. He told me that he, like other community members I spoke with, is starting to see the direction Searcy is going and regarding ways for the city to grow. I'm starting to see the direction Searcy's going in. Uh, I think the purchase of the property adjacent to Riverside Park uh, is going to be a great opportunity for the city. Mm -hmm. uh, a great opportunity to grow, a great opportunity to bring people into the town. The A&P Commission, we're, we're looking at projects. Uh, we're, doing, we're doing studies right now on various projects to uh, invest in Searcy uh, to make things better for the citizens and bring in people to experience what we have. Beyond talking about the A&P tax and the way Searcy has begun to grow and trying to bring in more people to visit, community members also talked with me about how they have seen Searcy grow in business and events. They all said that Searcy needs to continue to grow more. Main Street Searcy, as mentioned in Episode 1 of Searcy is Home, is a nonprofit organization that has access to grant funds through Main Street, Arkansas, and has helped grow businesses downtown and keep the area looking well. Amy Burton, the Main Street Searcy director, shared with me what businesses downtown have the ability to apply to the nonprofit for funding and what it allows them to do with that funding. Anyone who is in the Main Street District, which is what, what most people would consider your traditional downtown area, although there are a couple of offshoots, um, you know, around our perimeter of the Main Street District, but more or less it is just the downtown area. Okay. Um, so any business or property owner that's in that district has access to Main Street services at no charge, whether it be the small business consultant, designers, um, different people at the state level. Um, it even gives us access to um, specialists in the Arkansas Historic Preservation Program who can come in if you're looking at a preservation project to make sure that you're doing the right thing to your building. Um, but that also allows them to have access to grant funds 
through our office. So if somebody needs some financial assistance for um, maybe an interior or exterior restoration, and it could be something as major as a complete business remodel, um, or it could be something like I need exterior lights and better signage on my building. So they will reach out to me in the Main Street office, and um, we have a very, a very simple and short mini grant application that they can fill out, and then we're able to process if it's a, a deemable project, mm-hmm. then um, we can give them that financial assistance and pay as much as half of the project that they're doing. Um, our bi- our most um, used um, funds go toward usually exterior projects. Um, I would say our number one request from the downtown property owners are for awnings. Um, So we can pay for half of awnings. We also do a lot of um, paint. If your storefront is painted, then we can help assist in that. Amy talked to me about why she feels like other people should belong to the Searcy community, and her answer was centered around how other people could aid in growing and improving Searcy. I think in order to keep Searcy um, growing and improving, we have seen a slow growth over the last couple of decades, um, but you really have to, um, you know, have your community committed to making that growth happen through economic development or economic development, mm-hmm. through um, social activities, through um, providing entertainment, education. You know, it, it is about quality of life, and you have to contribute to the community in which you live to improve the quality of life. And that in turn serves as a recruitment tool, not just for um, people that might come in to visit short term for an activity, but those are the people that might um, decide, you know, they've got some nice homes, they have good schools, maybe we should relocate. And that kind of spurs new job creation. Mm -hmm. So it's all so interlaced between um, quality of life, um, providing education, a good park system, good programs for kids, good um, living wages provided through jobs, and they all spur off of each other. You're not going to have job creation and new industry come in if you don't have a good labor force in your town. So, and then vice versa, you're not going to have residents that want to live here if you don't have good jobs. As far as when Cersei began to grow, most of the community members said that it has been slow growth. Richard also told me that although having Cersei win the fourth season of the Small Business Revolution last year did help with growth and excitement in Cersei, he thinks that the momentum was beginning to build prior to the show even happening. The whole deal with the show did play a main part of that last year for sure, but I think even before that there was some momentum beginning to build on on some things um, that people were starting to say, hey, let's, you know, let's let's try to make this this place a little bit better. You know, if you always hear maybe lots of, uh, you know, there's not stuff to do in Cersei, you know, all this kind of stuff. So I think it stemmed from just to some people um, stepping up and, and trying to provide things to do in town.
In terms of Main Street Cersei's involvement in the growth, Denise Dry, one of the Main Street Cersei board members, shared with me about how she has seen Main Street Cersei evolve over the years, and how Main Street Cersei was able to help with the renovation of the Rialto Theater and other businesses downtown, which she believes to be a vital part of town and growth. It has evolved um, to do great things for our community. We've been able to renovate businesses. Mm -hmm. She's been able to help take on the renovation of uh, the Rialto. Yeah. Um, it's, I think it's a vital part of town. Jana Miller also brought up how the renovation of the Rialto was important. I agree that the Rialto Theater is a staple to downtown Searcy. According to Mark Buffalo of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette, Victor Weber operated the Rialto since February 1994 and ran it until December 2017, completing more than 50 years in the movie theater business. The city of Searcy purchased the Rialto, and to honor Victor for his years of keeping the Rialto going, the city declared December 29th as Victor Weber Day in 2017. The Rialto Theater is now owned and operated by the city of Searcy and is open daily with one screen and 563 seats. The Rialto has mainly only been renovated and updated on the outside. Our previous mayor, David Morris, yeah. while he was mayor, the Rialto was purchased by the city to be ran by the city. And the Rialto is a movie theater, single screen movie theater from back in the early 1900s. And they started renovations on it. Um, it's very affordable for families. Mm -hmm. So the matinees are a dollar and the evening shows are now $3 or so. You can rent it out for a party for $100. It's very cheap, um, accessible to the entire community. And um, it was his wife's idea. And I just love it. I love it because my family, that was daddy-daughter dates on Sundays at 2. Whatever was playing, there was always family-friendly movies. Um, my husband would take the girls to see a movie and something that we could easily do and fun for the kids, good time for them. And so for me, for the city to take it over and not some big corporation outside of Searcy taking it over, it has been more of a homegrown feel. <laughs> yeah. And I enjoy supporting the city in that endeavor. Denise also shared with me about how the history of Cersei is important to remember as growth continues, and other community members also nodded to this when they reflected on their memories mentioned in episode one, and throughout the mention of the renovations to the Rialto and in talking about the library. A lot of people forget their roots, and this is where Cersei started mm -hmm. in, you know, downtown. If anybody's familiar with where the Mayfair Hotel is... Uh, on the corner of, I think it's Spruce okay. and Spring. It's where, it's right across the street from the First Baptist Church. That was such a hustling and bustling place back in the early days that it was considered the hotel of hotels. There was a train station just down the street. Mm -hmm. and that's where people came. People came to the Springs here in the park. Knowing your history, knowing where you come from, to me, is so important. It keeps you grounded, keeps you focused on the things 
that are vital to keep a, a town um, going. Yeah. And I think Amy has had that vision completely. Richard told me how Cersei was at a tipping point when Main Street Cersei started up and that there was a need for the nonprofit. Richard then shared about how over the years, the downtown has just become more aesthetically pleasing and in a large part due to Amy Burton's list of things she wanted to do to downtown. I think Cersei was at that kind of that tipping point of, you know, people kind of moving out of downtown um, and, and, you know, there was that need there. And so um, she's done a, fan, a fantastic job. I mean, it's, you yeah, downtown is awesome. I mean, it's over the years. I mean, even when I moved here, she her list of dream things were, were huge. And she and I talked many years about, you know, making it, uh, you know, aesthetically like making it a lot better. And so I think she was really excited about the beautification project when that all came about. And, um, and you know, anything that she can do and we can do to, to make it better, I think is, but she's done a fabulous job with it. It looks, I mean, downtown is, is hopping. There's not a whole lot of, I think, negative things you could say about downtown. I think everybody always is like, you yeah, know, it'd be nice to have a, another restaurant down there or something like that. But I mean, other than that, it's, you know, um, there's a pretty decent mix of, of office and, and restaurant and retail space down there. So. However, Richard also believes that even though Cersei has grown some, he thinks that there needs to be more. Other residents seem to concur. It needs to be more, you know. It needs to be more. Of course, I'm, you know, I'm biased, one, and my profession is a growth-based profession. So, I mean, if Cersei's not growing, then there's not going to be any work for my type of work, right? Um, but I also think it makes a growing city is a healthy city. And so if it's not growing, then it's gonna get stagnant. And you know, it's, nobody's gonna wanna live here and people are gonna wanna leave. So I think a growing city is a is signs of a healthy city. Um, so yeah, I, I think growth is important. It's so important. Um, some of the community members I spoke with mentioned some business growth, like Will Walker, for example. He talked to me about personally, he has noticed more businesses popping up in Searcy, especially downtown. I think that Searcy has grown, and I'm not sure if it's necessarily population because, you know, we'll, that, that'll that take some time to see. But I've personally noticed a lot of new businesses uh, pop up, and um, especially downtown, it seems like buildings are getting filled out more, which... Uh, that's, you know, thanks to Main Street, Cersei and a a Amy Burton. She's uh, done a lot of work on that over the years. Um, but it's, I've just, I've just noticed around town that it seems like there's a more optimistic view about, about the community uh, as far as growth goes. And I think people are feeling confident enough to start businesses now. Kelly Dry shared the sentiment that Will did, sharing that people are feeling more confident to start businesses now since being chosen as the season four winner of the Small Business Revolution. Because when other people belong to the community and participate and all the things that we've defined community as, then it runs better, it's more successful, and there's more opportunities for growth and other people to start their own businesses, which is something that Cersei doesn't lack in. I see all the time new businesses popping up 
and people supporting them, or trying to at least. Residents also mentioned that different events happening in Searcy are another way they've seen the town grow. Matt Faulkner talked to me about the start of Beats and Eats events, which are artisan festivals that happen between six to eight times a year in Searcy. Matt is the co-director for Beats and Eats, and he shared that after his business, Think Idea Studio, a full marketing company, moved downtown after the renovation of the old mercantile building, a group of downtown business owners got together to try to address a problem. Um, shortly after we relocated downtown, um, a group of downtown business owners and volunteers from the community just got together and tried to address a problem. And the problem was, is there's a lot of just um, chatter on social media about, you know, there's no nightlife in Cersei, there's not a lot to do, um, you know, that type of thing. So Beats and Eats kind of was born out of a response to that, say, okay, let's put together a frequent event. You know, we have our big annual events, which are awesome, but let's create a way for the community to have an opportunity to come together over and over and over again, and hopefully um, more relationships would be formed. And then let's center it around arts and culture and entrepreneurship and, um, you know, music and food and that type of thing. So that was uh, the beginning of Beats and Eats, and really we kind of put it together pretty fast. I'd say the planning phase for the first one took maybe two to three months and then all of a sudden we were up and going. Beats and Eats events are mainly outside festivals, so they do not occur during the months of January through April because of the rain and cold. And the festivals also don't happen during some summer months when the volunteers are traveling. The events are sponsored by various businesses and vendors and volunteers help run them when they do occur. Episode 5 titled Connected Community We'll touch more on the sense of community people in Cersei feel like they have, but in terms of growth, it's important to mention how a few community members have seen Cersei grow in spirit and in unity in this episode, too. I talked to the community members about how The Daily Citizen published an article on January 2nd of this year stating that Cersei seemed to have had a winning year in 2019, and I asked them if they had seen Cersei grow since winning Season 4 of The Small Business Revolution. Because Richard and other community members mentioned how important growth was for Cersei, but also how they liked the small town feel Cersei had, I asked them if they thought that Cersei growing could impede on the small town community feel. Richard told me that he didn't think Cersei would grow that big, and that obviously they didn't want the town to get too big too fast. This was the answer I got pretty much concisely across the community members. Richard said that it's important on how Cersei continues to grow, which is exactly what I was told from the other residents when I asked them the question. Richard told me that Cersei would have to get really big before he felt like it would even begin to impede on the small town feel Cersei has. I mean, there's still larger communities, especially in Arkansas, examples of Arkansas communities, that still have that kind of small town identity that... that that are just larger. I think Conway is a pretty good example of like a pretty large town that still kind of has um, a, a small town character to it in, in, in places. And so I think it'd have to really get really big. <laughs> and I don't know if we're like destined to be that big in my lifetime. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, even I think, and it's, I think, you know, things like what Main Street does, um, you know, and, you know, that growth, it, it's, it's all growing, but, you know, how is it growing? We're growing, and it's a community that's growing. It's not just, 
you know, um, it's not just overwhelmingly just, you know, and it's, and it's how we grow, I think is, is, is important too. So, I mean, you know, we don't want to sprawl. We don't want to just, you know, grow out, you know, when, when, you know, when there's space and needs that are available here, you know, the growth needs to happen, you know, inside and, and make sure that all that's filled. And so if we can, things like Main Street keeps downtown vibrant and exciting, and that's the place to be, you know, if that's, if that's the place to be, then, you know, somebody's not going to build a office strip mall out, you know, five miles out of the highway and that sort of thing. So. Kisa Hoots also shared her concerns about Cersei growing too big too fast, but that as far as growth goes in Cersei, she understands that every town grows. Every town does it. it, it I hope Cersei doesn't grow, over, doesn't grow faster than the police and the fire department and the other places like that can handle. That's the, that's the scariest thing for any city. Mm-hmm. is that your your city explodes out and you don't have enough manpower to take care of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know Cersei struggles to keep up with their manpower, but that's any town. Mm-hmm. But they've done a good job. I mean, I know they've been shorthanded a few times in the police department and the fire department. <coughs> and they do what they can to get it caught back up. And I, that's an ongoing situation for everybody. Tommy concurred with everyone about the growth in Cersei needing to happen, but he, like several others mentioned to me, didn't think Cersei had really grown in population size. He told me that he does not want it to get to the size of a Cabot or more so Conway. Cabot has a population of 26,573 and Conway has a population of 66,426, according to the U.S. Census Bureau for 2018. Cabot is just above Cersei in population. But Conway is much larger. With the surrounding areas, uh, I don't see Cersei. I, I, I see an increase in population, but I don't see it growing to the size of, say, a Cabot. Okay. Um, or, or a Conway, actually, which is who we're, who we're compared to quite a bit, and, and frankly, would I like to see a few more amenities? Yes, but I don't ever want to get that big. There seemed to be a consensus among the community members that they didn't want Cersei to get too big. Some people threw out numbers, saying that they didn't want it to get larger than 35,000 people. However, the community members all agreed that growing Cersei was something that needed to happen. They just didn't want it to get too big too fast. Thirdly, along with business and event growth, the community members also mentioned how Cersei has seemed to grow in spirit and in unity when I asked them about if they had seen Cersei grow since the small business revolution. Will brought up how Cersei High School and Harding Academy's football teams winning state championships, as I mentioned in the first episode, just continued the winning for the town. I mean, our our schools have been doing great in sports, and so... uh, that was the one thing, uh, you know, that, that kind of continued the winning was, um, you know, Searcy High School and Harding Academy both won state in uh, football. Will told me that he thinks that the culture of winning, the small business revolution, rubbed off on the kids to motivate them, and I wouldn't say I disagree with him. It seems like that, that culture of winning has kind of been um, kind of imparted on the kids too, it seems like anyway. 
it just seems like everyone's more optimistic in, in everything they're doing. Will, like many other community members, said that he thinks the growth in Cersei has been positive for the city. I think it's positive. Um, in a small town, people tend to say, you know, and this is every small town, there's nothing to do, that type of stuff. But when, uh, you know, after, you know, the being on featured on the revolution or uh, after being featured on the uh, Main Street TV show, uh, it seems like people are finding things to do. And with all the business growth, I think there is more to do, especially with the arts movement, too. So I think just in general, everything kind of happened at the right time. And um, I don't really hear that anymore, that there's nothing to do in Cersei. I heard that a lot two or three years ago, but uh, I haven't heard that in the past year. So I think that goes with that optimism that, that all of this has brought. Matt told me that Cersei has definitely grown in terms of awareness of unity and how working together has been something the community has definitely taken keen to. But I would say Cersei is better um, for going through the revolution experience. But as far as having a winning year, we really have more than just even the revolution. I mean, our sports programs have, like our high school team, the public high school team won state, the private high school football team won state, our wrestling teams have won state, our robotics programs are doing well. Um, it just seems like it has been a winning year in a lot of different ways. But overall, I would say the outcome of the whole revolution experience has just been that awareness of unity and saying, hey, that together, you know, we can accomplish so much, which is really cool because that's the message on the mural that Tara Peacock designed um, part of the revolution. And it's true is if we will and by working together, sometimes that means you have to be willing to lay down your own interests and initiatives to work toward what is good for more people, you know. And so I think we've grown in that way for sure. The majority of community members I talked with seemed excited about watching Cersei grow and want it to continue. Whitney, for example, told me that Cersei needed the change, so she's happy about it. I'm not indifferent about it at all. I'm excited about it. It's what we needed. Cersei's always been the same. Like, as long as I've lived here, like, the same buildings, you know, may change the name of it or whatever, but we needed the change, the growth, new stuff. Jana Miller told me that she, too, loves the growth that Cersei has experienced. I love it. I really do. I think the community coming out and sharing a meal from a food truck once a month is fun. Listen to a band once a month is fun. Uh, so I like Get Down Downtown. Uh, I like Beats and Eats. I like our farmer's market. Uh, all those local people coming outside of our doors to meet. It's a good thing. I think it's really a good thing. April Butler also mentioned to me that her and her husband have loved seeing growth in Cersei in the last few years. Um, my husband and I both enjoy Cersei and participating and we've loved the growth that we've seen in the last few years in Cersei. We love the the way that Main Street Cersei has kind of taken the bull by the horns and um, you know that we have the the events once a month 
downtown, and um, those are so much fun to bring the community together. Most of the community members I spoke with seem to be behind the growth Cersei has experienced and hope that it will continue. They definitely seem to enjoy the community spirit Cersei seemed to grow, which I will talk more about in Episode 5, Connected Community. The takeaway from this episode is that Cersei's A&P tax is staying in place and hopefully will do some good for the city. Business and event growth have been noticed by community members, and they like them both. They just don't want the population to get too large. Lastly, it seems as though Cersei has grown in terms of spirit and unity. At the end of the day, though, the community members all seem to be in for growing Cersei. Thank you for listening to Voices of Communities, and particularly this first season of Voices of Cersei. Voices of Communities is hosted, edited, and produced by me, Brianne Cambron. Special thanks to the community members and board members of Main Street Cersei that sat down and talked with me to make this podcast happen. For sources and more information, visit vofcompod.com or vofcompod on Instagram and Facebook. Until next time, community listeners.